0: Welcome to the Chord Strike Podcast. My guest today is Jeannie Putnam. Jeannie is a classical pianist, singer-songwriter. She's toured for many years with David Hammond as a singer-songwriter, keyboardist, and she's co-written several songs with David Hammond and Jimmy Dale Gilmore. Welcome, Jeannie. Thanks,
1: Sean. Welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So, I know you from the Jimmy Dale Gilmore workshops. The background is, um, for instance, who your um, musical influences are and what got you into music. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, um, I'm a classical pianist, so I, I started with piano from an early age. I can't remember how old, seven or something like that. So studied piano all my life and uh, went to conservatory. Um, I'm from New York originally, a, a suburb of New York. So I uh, went to conservatory in college and got my degree in piano performance at SUNY Purchase, which is in, in, uh, outside of New York City, about an hour. And um, I've always written songs and written. So songwriting and singing were part of my experience, as well as I've also studied acting for many, many years in New York, so I've been a performer for a long time. And uh, so my, my musical loves are classical, as well as all kinds of music, Nina Simone, folk music, rock music, I love all kinds of music. And, and my teacher was, his name was Herman Diaz, who was uh, from Cuba, but it's a lineage of piano that goes about five teachers back to Beethoven. So his teacher was Claudio Oral, But It's behind me, actually, the book. That's my teacher, Hermann, and then Claudio Oral. So it was a, a very precious lineage that that I was fortunate enough to be part of and work with for more than half my life. So that's my classical background.
0: Cool. So did you have any musicians in your family while you were growing up?
1: Well, um, there are not any musicians in my family. Um, my mom used to love opera and would play it from an early age, all kinds of opera. So I grew up listening to that and classical music and she loved music, but no, there were no musicians. It was something that I think music was something that I needed to experience to, um, kind of saved my life. I guess growing up there were difficulties as everybody has but for me, that's what I was drawn to but um no, there are no other musicians.
0: Ah, fair enough. So let's uh talk about your current musical influences. Uh, wh- who are they? What are they? <laughs>
1: well, I love the music of Nina Simone, Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen, a whole range. Of, I love Miles Davis, Ella Fitzgerald, but um, Joni Mitchell kind of runs the gamut.
0: Yeah, I could totally see the uh, Joni Mitchell in there.
1: <laughs> Tori Amos is another great one. There's so many great artists
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of hard to narrow that question down.
1: Yep, Nick Cave, too. Kind of runs the gamut from.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely runs the gamut. So I read in your bio you're experienced in acting as well. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, for 12 years or more, I guess, I lived in Manhattan for many years up on Way on the tippity-top, they call it Upstate Manhattan, 218th Street. Anyway, I, um, while studying and performing piano and songwriting, I was also um, an actress, so I did a lot of work for many years um, with a group in Manhattan. Very intense, beautiful, worked on a lot of my own material, and it was really life-changing. I'm, I'm a huge fan of films and... and um, theater and going way back. So I grew up watching old movies, and so I, I love the process of acting. So it was with a member of the Actors Studio. So it's, you know, not method per se, but that sort of deep work where you delve into the inspiration of, of a character. I do that with songwriting. It's kind of, you know, you delve into the, the depths. Ah.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I can totally see that now that you mentioned that. Well, that leads us nicely into playing one of your songs. How about we start with New Mexico?
1: That was a request from David. And if it's okay, David would like to play along with me.
0: Yeah, that's fine.
1: Okay, I'm going to go grab him. He's in the next room. (laughs) Hold on one second. (laughs) This is a song I wrote a few years ago now about New Mexico.
0: This is Jeannie's song, New Mexico. It's performed to you live here by Jeannie Putnam, accompanied by David Hammond. (laughs) ¶¶
2: Scent of Juniper and Silver Sage armies and still blue light blue singing with all his might. Is there peace now in your leaving? Is there hope
1: in your dreaming?
2: Will you come to me? in my mind Sometimes you're the only one I can find Is that quiet now in your hands? Are you dreaming distant land? But well, I know you could not love me Your heart was never free
0: for this song come from right away i'm picking up on something that's not necessarily usually done um in that uh you have three verses before the chorus even hits and then three more verses before another chorus maybe you can also tell us Um, a little bit about how you came inspiration for the song well i live
1: in new mexico i'm in taos now or royal Honda, which is part of taos um I always knew since I was, I don't know why, really little, that I would be in New Mexico somehow. It called to me. The Southwest, not not other parts, not like Arizona, but New Mexico. There was a mystery to it that spoke to me. So after living here for several years, the song, it just came to me to write a song about it because it's been in my blood and my soul, and I live here, so that's really the inspiration to. To talk about what drew me here and why, and I think the song kind of speaks to that, as well as, yeah, the reflecting of what what comes up for me here and reflecting in things in my life, and the uh, it's the land of red dirt and yellow dirt, and definitely the land of wind, mountains, and uh, ancient ancient souls. So. Uh, and then, you know, I think the three the three verses, it's because the song told itself. I followed the trail of the story, and that's where it was.
0: Ah, uh, yes. I could see that. It's not something that you typically see in, say, a rock song or a pop song. That's why it jumped out at me.
1: Yeah, and you're kind of waiting for the... The chorus, but it has more more stuff to say. <laughs> kind of surprised me too, but that's the way it rolls sometimes.
0: <laughs> I kind of like it because it adds tension to the structure of it. So while we're talking about this, let's talk about some of your general songwriting writings process or strategies do you find that you have a specific strategy you reach for or do you just pull from a bunch of different sources when you're trying to write a song
1: well i think hmm, i write a lot i free write a lot that's something that's that's regular for me i just write and write and write I sometimes i time myself um Sometimes it's music, it's at the piano. I'll be playing and then it'll come from there. Or sometimes it's just lyric writing driven. And sometimes it wakes me up in the middle of the night with both. So I write a lot. My process is that I, 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 I what I call free writing a lot or just writing. And, and then I play. I play piano a lot, guitar too. A piano is my first instrument, and um, it usually just, I follow the lead of what's in the seed of the the sound or the, the words. That's generally my process.
0: Yeah, that uh, free writing sounds a lot like a uh, method I've been reading about in a book called Writing Better Lyrics um, by Pat Pattinson, and it's um where you take an object and you write about it bound by your senses so you can only write it in relation about it in relation to your senses i find that helpful because it allows you to tap into that part of your brain which doesn't often get flexed it allows you to get that red dress oh, blue dress that we uh, talk about so often in Jimmy's class
1: red dress, blue dress and <laughs> sometimes some blue panties <laughs> oh you love yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like exercises like that. Though. I find them very fun. Anything that's immersive and exploratory.
0: Aha, uh-huh. yeah, they are fun. So, generally, in your songwriting, do you prefer um more conversational close rhymes, or do you prefer perfect rhymes?
1: I. Hmm, it's interesting. That's an interesting subject. I. I tend to rhyme naturally, but I don't what I don't like, and I ever since I was a kid I couldn't stand silly poetry that made things rhyme for rhyming's sake. I don't know why, it's just some. it's fine sometimes it's fine, but if, if the rhyme fits the meaning, I'm great with it. I don't like going for rhymes for rhyme's sake. So I do a lot of internal rhymes naturally, and I love close rhymes, because I think that that is closer to nature. It's like a polished stone or you find a beautiful rock in the hillside in a way. I like both, but the rhyme has to fit the meaning, not the other way around, because otherwise I won't use it. I'd rather not use it at all. Yeah, so.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, I actually brought... Um, that um, song I wrote the first year at Omega um, into a songwriting group (laughs) just for the fun of it. And someone was like, you know, all of these words uh, at the end of each line rhyme perfectly. It's too Mother Goose. <laughs> yep. They were like, it needs a lot more attention in the rhyme scheme.
1: Well, you know, but if they work, I don't mind perfect rhymes. If they're right. Your songs, I think, have right meaning and rhymes, you know, in my listening of them.
0: Maybe there's a way I can, like, rearrange that and make it have tension while still rhyming every single (laughs) line, but...
1: Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. I'd have to hear it. I'd like to hear it.
0: Yeah, it kind of goes like that sometimes. Um,
1: Yeah, it does go that way, and sometimes the song is perfect when it has the imperfect rhymes, or near rhymes, or some songs don't rhyme at all.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what would three pieces of advice you have for aspiring songwriters be? Um, Well, I would say
1: just write, write every day. And and go through the, if you have a heavy, well, most people do have a heavy inner inner critic. Just uh, have a relationship with that that part of yourself of the critic and work through those things that come up when you write and just write as an exercise, uh, you know, finish the song. If it's a song a day or a week, just, uh, remove the expectation of the outcome and just do it and do it a lot. And that's, that's the main thing. And I guess the other is, um, Play with other musicians when you can. People you connect with, for sure. And, and um, develop a relationship with your creative process, I think. And, and don't be afraid to say what your fears are out loud to yourself. or And just uh, set goals and do them, even if you feel like you're not doing them up to your expectation. Um, Eventually, you'll get to where you want to be as an artist, I think. And the other thing, maybe this is for, explore what moves you. Come from the place of there's nothing that's off limits. And I don't think there's a judgment on good or bad when you come from what your truth is, whatever that is, whatever it is. Because I think everybody has something to say. So, coming from your own truth about what you feel about things and what you needs to be heard. So that's a great place, a well.
0: All great pieces of advice. I'm thinking we should go for one of those other songs now. Do you have one in mind?
1: Well, one, I thought maybe you could play The Blue Morning Sky. That's a really good demo that I've done. That might be going on my album that I've been working on. But this is a a demo I really did, and it was a couple years ago I did it, but I really like it, so I may just keep it as it is. David and I recorded it here, I think it's a couple years ago now. And I may add some things, but I I loved his mix of it.
0: Yeah, I was listening to it a bit. That is a nice mix. Here's Jeannie Putnam. Give so, me some light blue morning
2: sky a new day in
0: So I'm guessing one of the inspirations for this song was a blue morning sky.
1: Well, yeah, I guess well that the title came later, actually.
0: <laughs> oh, did it? So, um, this would uh, be one of those um, instances where you shouldn't make assumptions. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Because sometimes titles come just way later.
0: So tell us about this song. What inspired it? Um, how was the recording of it? And what went into the writing process of it?
1: Well, uh, it's funny. The lyrics were written in New York. And it's the. it came from a place of... Um, I think of longing and what the hell is this living for? That's the inspiration for it. Where you feel sometimes, at times I would I feel lost, and I reach for a rope and I reach out to people in my own heart. Of uh, where do you get this idea of living from? Usually it comes from the mother, the father, the archetypes of, of what what raised us. So I think it's a cry to that. It was a cry to that of a dark time. And I always put whatever, wherever I am, I put it into writing. I voice it. And I think those that's a really important place to come from for me. And I certainly get inspiration from other people who do that. So... Um, So the lyrics were there, and then I often go back through pages and pages of lyrics from previous times, because sometimes just letting them sit and have time to germinate, even over years you go back and they have another dimension and they're ready to have music to them. I think I did have music to it though then, a video or something, and then coming to New Mexico, the music came, and I had this piano, which is my Steinway, so the music changed with this instrument here. And it, it developed a dimension of um, not just my own personal experience, but also it, it had a dreamlike quality of a soldier um, in the West and what, what we all go through when we live and when we die and reaching out for that. And about hopelessness, I think, but also love. There's a lot of love in it especially with the mother, I think, that in this song. There's love, but there's also a sense of saying, I didn't live but through you, which is a chain sometimes. And then the recording of it, we did here in Taos with this piano. Uh, it was the other recording studio before we moved here. And um, it was demos I was doing, and I was tired at the end of the day, and I said, let me just do this one. And sometimes that's the best that comes out. So I was tired and I think the meaning I was saturated with it and just that was the that was the take. I think it was two takes. Yes,
0: yeah, sometimes you get the best uh, recordings when you're really tired for some reason.
1: I know, and you just let it be. Maybe all the, the voices or the whatever, the ramp up is all tired, so you just do it and sometimes that works out great. So, you know, for me this one says it captures a lot of what I wanted to.
0: Yeah, I love the uh, echoes and the reverb in it. It's like enough reverb to be tasteful, yet not uh, in-your-face distracting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think you're. No, thank you. I think you're right, David. And I mixed it together, and I was. he, He really did a great job with what I was asking for him to do. He got the essence of it in the mix he did.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Let's talk a little bit about performing. Do you have any prep you do before performances? And how do you choose what songs go on your set list?
1: Well, um, it depends. I think, well, if I'm singing and songwriting, I I play the songs I'm going to do for performance. I warm up. I do vocal warm-ups and piano warm-ups. And um, that's, that's what I do to, for, for going on. Um, I usually, if it's a specific set list, I go through the songs in a certain way. Um, you know, as a classical pianist, too, I, I drill songs. I mean, when I, go, when I play the classical pieces, I have a thing of, when I have a recital, I go through each section, and I repeat it, and I internalize it, and then I run it. And I do it for a certain time, before a, a recital date or something. And for songwriting, I kind of do the same idea, although it's a little less because it's also singing and playing. So that's what I, that's how I warm up and prepare. And set lists, it depends. Sometimes when David and I will play, we'll have certain set lists and we change it in the moment. And sometimes we don't do a set list, we do it by Theo because the vibe of whatever is the, the, the performance is, so it changes. And then, when if I do songs with David, we certainly rehearse the songs we play and rehearse them in different ways. so mm-hmm. Did that answer your question, or was there another part of it?
0: Yeah, that does answer my question. Um, do you find that you have a particular song that connects with an audience?
1: Yeah, um well, yeah of course, it depends on the on the audience at time. Sometimes you play a song and you, I'm surprised that it connects the way it does. And other, I'm sure you know that too. Um, but one that always connects is a song I wrote for my, I think you've heard it, it's My Sweet Divine. It's a song I wrote for my piano teacher after he died.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I love that song. Mm,
1: thank you. That one seems to universally connect. And I think it, because it's about loss and gratitude. For the relationship, and I think people can relate to that universally. And then the other one might be Go Tell Mary. People seem to get a rile out of that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. So, when you're performing, do you prefer solo performances or band performances? Or do you prefer one or the other?
1: That's a hard one because I love both. I'm a pianist, so I know solo. That's what I grew up doing. And I love singing and playing solo, but I also love playing with other people. I love playing with David, and when we have a drummer. Right now, it's just David and I playing together, but that's something about that that's just fantastic. So that's a hard one. I don't know. I don't know. I think, well, I guess my origin is solo or a duo, but I do love both, so it's just, it's, they both are amazing, <laughs> so it's nice to have the variety, too, playing alone can get, um, I don't know, not not boring, but it's not, not lonely either, but it's nice to mix it up with other people.
0: <laughs> Plus, when you're playing with other people, it kind of forces you to learn things, too. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly. You're, yeah, exactly. You're obligated for other things. And, and that's a good thing. You're, so, yeah, for sure, especially when you're soloing with somebody else, you got to, you also have to support what they're doing, too. So it's different.
0: Yeah, I get that. Do you have any advice for aspiring performers?
1: Yeah, uh, practice. I, you know, practice is a great thing, and rehearsing is a great thing, and do a lot of it. The more you do, it's amazing what it does, I think, for me anyway. Performing live has always been tremendously uh, rewarding, not just in the experience, but uh, it it improves your skill so much in front of a live audience. It's just, there's an alchemy there that happens, and the world, I think, needs it, so... The more you do of it, the better you get at it, and um, preparation really helps,
2: at least in my my Yeah, uh, I I could see that. Uh, Even,
0: like, going to an open mic, you want to prep for that, too, which I don't often do, but... (laughs)
1: I want to be going to your open mics. I just I teach at that time, so I'm never able to make it. I would love to go to your online ones.
0: So, I guess we'll go into your, into your third
2: song,
0: and then we'll go into a little. We'll talk some about uh,
2: collaboration.
0: So shall we go into your? Third song.
1: That's another demo that I like a lot. Of blood medicine. I could play it live, but I like the mixtape it.
2: That one I do a lot
1: in performance too, people respond well to that one a lot too. I think. You've
2: heard it. Here's Blood
0: Medicine by Jeannie Putnam.
2: Snake skin boot. What well, I see.
0: That was Jeannie Putnam and her song Blood Medicine. So what inspired you to write this song? How did it come about?
2: I think it
1: was uh, about reaching out to somebody in my family who you know there's a long history of pain between us so Reconciling within myself, I think family is blood, but it's also a lot of pain, but a lot of medicine, if you can alchemize it. And that's what I, I think I've tried to do a lot in my life is, is um, whatever the soil I come from, whether it's blood family or whichever, is to see the, the dance that we do because they're part of ourselves. So it was reaching out to this person that, you know, let's put our, let's put our um, spoils or trying to win the war down and see that we're, we're connected and we're the same. Also, you know, when we point a finger at somebody else, we're pointing them back at ourselves. So the, the song is about that mirror that you see what you see in somebody else because you've got it in you. So the two halves of the song speak to the person as well as from myself. And so it's a call, it's a call for, I think, a call to love rather than a call to arms. And the trance that we often play out which without realizing, you know, we are born into families and we, we play out often a, a trance that's not really us and it's the marionettes, that's the, the dance we do. But when you awaken to see what you're doing, you can change that, I think. I think, I mean, it's an example of what I've tried to do and I have successfully done, I think, in relationships is heal that. You, you know, you think it's your enemy when it's really somebody you love. And then if you come from your heart and yourself, I think it's a chance. It's a chance to, to change that.
2: And that might be why I think
1: that song responds well to people. I have people who really request that song, I think and they either cry or they're, they're grateful to hear it, or either because they've done that or they want to do that. And I'm grateful for that kind of feedback because um, I think it's important. I always respond well to songs that are true, like I think it's a true song in the sense of that experience. Um, and it helps me process things too. And to hear other people do that is um, comforting.
0: Interesting. So let's talk about collaboration. When you're collaborating on performing or songwriting, do you find that your songwriting process changes any? Do you find yourself leaning towards one method or the other, or do you take on different roles?
1: Um, well, yeah, collaborating, I mean, at the root of it, writing to me is writing, but it definitely changes to work with other people because it's their... Their essence, their ideas that come from a different perspective. So it's about leaving space and room to hear somebody else's voice. And really, I, I love collaborating. It's not as easy as writing myself. Some people feel the opposite. But for me, I mean, I've collaborated with you. And I had a great experience writing with you and Reese. Crow on a rusty can. I think it was really fun. I had a ball doing that. Um, so I think, number one, it depends on who you're writing with. and but, but it definitely takes it takes more space and room because I like to really leave a lot of room for what other people's ideas are and communication.
0: Communication, yes. Which, depending on, what? Communication, yes.
1: Yeah, depending on who you're working with, that can be easy or not. And I've had experiences both ways where it's really easy and... and Room and other times where you kind of have to stop the tracks and say, Let's try to hear what we were each trying to say, which is human nature.
0: Like, uh, okay, we're not getting anywhere with this. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, try it another way.
1: <laughs> yeah, or somebody's pushing their ideas and they because and that it's shutting down other ideas. And sometimes I like to draw attention to, Well, let's try to leave some room for everybody's. So I'm pretty. I try to shepherd that because that means a lot to me, creating space, you know. So, I mean, I usually, well, I've written with a number of people, uh, groups like I wrote with David and Jimmy and Janet. We wrote songs together, some songs together, and that was an amazing process, and it was beautiful, but it was hard, but it was, they were true co-writes in the sense that we all really tried to, each other with what we were trying to say with the song so it's an amazing process I'm always it's amazing to co-write
0: yeah and the interesting thing is there's no one right way or wrong way no <laughs> the only
1: wrong way I could say is if you fight with people about it and that becomes that goes you know, that, that, I don't like that but, but that's human nature too you learn a lot if you stick in it you can learn a lot I think rather than pull your marbles and go home. <laughs> I learned a lot from co writing. I think you have to be also kinder in a sense, because our own inner critic can be really harsh and we kind of get away with that. But when you're with other people co writing, you have to kind of keep that in check or realize that that voice is, wait a minute, that's not accurate. Or, you know, you don't get away with the same kind of shenanigans. (laughs) I don't think, at least I would hope.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, for sure.
1: I've had good experience co writing and been lucky that way. I also teach little kids, so I know how to work with that. In a way, is not it's collaborating a lot. When I'm teaching, is a collaborative process. I feel so. I I like it.
0: So I know you have a very different musical background than, say, David or Jimmy, but how do you find collaborating with people who might not have the same background who might, for instance, play by ear or, um, read only the letters for the chords or things like that?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I love working. I I love working with both of them. Um, and for me, I it doesn't matter what somebody's background is, I can work I work different ways. So um I don't find that to be a barrier. I find that to be um a, a good a good thing. It adds a lot. Like I also teach when I teach piano or songwriting, um are students of all of all ilks, little kids but also adults who they don't read or they, so I teach in different ways, so I work in different ways myself.
0: Yeah, there was a person in a band I was in at one point who uh, couldn't, couldn't read, did it all by ear, and she would say, what's a G? When you say the next chord is a G, this means nothing to me what the heck is flatting the fifth?
1: Yeah, 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 that, yeah, so I, so I don't, I work with somebody from where they are, so if that has to be translated, that's, you know, you just demonstrate it rather than speak the theory language or whatever, because that can be alienating, so I don't, I, I like to meet wherever it is, you meet where it is, and I find that to be where
0: it grows. So do you have any advice for people when they're collaborating on songwriting or performing together?
1: Um I I would yeah. I think it's important to um create a process for hearing each other. Because some ideas can be shut down or things get triggered or and if you have a way to say let's hear what everybody's check in. On process, I think that really helps because otherwise, I think if you can't if you can't be honest about how you're feeling about it, whether you're being heard or whether you're not being, or you you know, I think that's really helpful. I think it can open a lot of doors and ideas. Take the lid off, but you create a safe way to communicate. And I think that's hard. I don't think that's so easy, but it's worthwhile. I mean, when we wrote, remember, I think, didn't we check in a lot? Are you feeling like you're being heard enough, or do you like what we're doing? I think we did that a
0: I think we did do that a lot. Now that, uh, yeah. Plus, we uh, tended to gather back in as a whole group and check in.
1: Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We did do that. Although, I don't know.
0: Not necessarily on the songwriting process, but.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Because that was more intimate sharing of our little group, and I think to kind of talk out of school in a way in a bigger group, (laughs) it would have been like, Sean's being a jerk and I'm going to tell the big group, or Jeannie's not listening to me, you know, to kind of keep it straight, hey, look, not everybody wants to do that, though, I mean, not everybody wants to communicate like that. For me, I find that really helpful, to be able to say, you know, I'm not feeling like this person's speaking what they need to or I'm not feeling heard I think that creates a lot of honesty and ground for stuff
0: it does yeah yeah it goes back to that uh, communication part Uh, communication is pretty key when you're writing and when you're yeah
1: yeah to me that means it's a a vehicle for that I think I, I like to do that in everything I'm doing I think you carry yourself wherever you go so if you like to do it in other ways, it can it translates into songwriting and collaboration.
0: You've been performing with David for a number of years. Um, go into a little bit of that.
1: Yeah, I guess I've known David for almost 13 years. Well, um, okay, so here's how we met. David was Jimmy's longtime songwriting partner and performed with him and all. So I went to Omega, I didn't even know who Jimmy was when I took Omega class, but of course I fell in love with the class and all the people there, it was a great thing, so the first year, that was 2007, so then uh, there was an offshoot of songwriters out of Jimmy's class from the from late 90s, which was, the, they call them the survivors, Tom Phillips, Bill Gessner, so everybody I think from that class, they decided to continue it down in Charlottesville, Virginia at a, at a, at a summer camp. Camp Albemarle. So they started meeting. So David had been Jimmy's assistant and one of those years long before I took it. So he became part of Survivors. So I became friends with a lot of the people from the class, Tom Phillips, Bill Gessner. So the second year I was invited to join them. They, they send out invitations every few years. It was a very small, kind of small group. And so uh, I had worked with Tom Phillips doing some recording Actually, David was on those recordings before I met him. He came and recorded, and I had done it to work with Tom, and then we met that spring. So that's how I met David at Camp album, Memorial. And it's such a great group. We haven't been meeting. We were going to, but then COVID hit. But um, even after Tom and Bill died, we were going to do a memorial. Anyway, so that's how I met David. And we got together shortly after that and been together since. So let's see. Uh, I came out with David in his recording studio in New Mexico and then he moved to New York so we started, just I started singing in harmony with him co-writing, actually we started co-writing with Maggie DeBrieg did you meet Maggie? I don't know if you've met Maggie
0: I haven't but uh, well I think very briefly for something but I don't remember what
1: <laughs> yeah maybe she took the class the online class Anyway, I I met Maggie my first year. She was in my group with Bill Nadella. But uh, she became part of Survivors, too. But uh, Noah, Maggie, David, and I, uh, Maggie invited us to write a song for the New York Poetry Project in uh, in St. Mark's Church. So we collaborated that way. And so David and I were part of that collaboration. But I started singing and playing with David kind of early on, and then started playing piano, too. And then... Performing with him, so that's how we kind of got started. But I met David sideways, I guess, through Omega and Jimmy. Yeah, it's it was interesting, and then so and then we moved out here. Of course, we have a recording studio and been performing and touring ever since.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it uh, sounds like you guys have a lot of fun uh, performing and touring and writing together.
1: Yeah, and that's how the collaboration with Jimmy and Janet, and we went to Texas, and we wrote those songs there with them, Um, so, yeah, it's been a great, and we want to do more, we've been kind of busy, it's funny when you're somebody's life partner, and business partner, and performing partner, sometimes you don't carve enough time out to write, but we plan on doing that, so.
0: Yeah, for sure, yeah.
1: It's a lot of fun, we love performing together, and. I think we, I think we have, a, we have a good combination of instruments, but also our alchemy. I think. I love when he plays on my songs, and I love playing on his, and so.
0: Oh yeah, that's uh, fun. Always fun to, uh, playing on other people's songs. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we do a lot of great covers. We do covers of Jimmy's and the Tex- West Texas, and as well as our own. We do a lot of fun
0: covers. Do you have any? Um funny stories about um songwriting or performing etc
1: funny stories well let's see i guess it runs the gamut of experiences some great places some not so great places uh let's see funny stories hmm. I think? funny I don't know we just have a rambling good time I I don't know about f- me trying to think funny stories of survivors and um no I don't know I just <laughs> David has more funny stories like I don't know I don't know but it's fun oh well, you know what's funny okay Taking our cats on the road. Now, that's funny.
0: You took your cats on tour? We
1: toured with our cats, okay? Two kitty cats, our brethren. So we have three now. We love cats. But, you know, I guess we had to take them on the road for a few, several times, taking them on the road, cross country, in the hotel rooms. <laughs> they keep us up all night, bounce on the bed, sleep all day in the car. <laughs> so that's been, that's funny, taking our cats on tour. That's been a ride. Yeah, when we're exhausted, we have to pull over to sleep because they keep us up all night in the hotel room. (laughs) So, yeah, so I think that's pretty rare to take your kitty cat. Dogs are more common, I guess, taking them on the road. But cats, they're good travelers and we love them dearly. But hopefully next time when we start touring again, they'll be safe at home. Yeah,
0: you can't really leash a cat.
1: (laughs) Well, we actually do. We take them out on harnesses. And they they didn't like it at first, but it's been years. We don't need to now because they stay close. They're used to it. But they took to their harnesses quite well.
0: Oh, yeah. I guess all the uh, birds of prey out there, yeah.
1: Mm, lots of that. Yeah, you know, bunny rabbits. And, well, we have a lot of coyotes out here, so you have to really watch them. You know, if you, we have a cat that showed up, a wild cat that we took in. He was pretty wild. He was able to, to sustain it out here with the coyotes. But... Most cats don't last long, outside cats.
0: Do you have any current projects you're working on, and how can the listeners keep up with what you're doing?
1: Sure. Uh, well, I'm currently working on my album. I've, been doing, I've done demos that I shared here. So that's a project that we record here. We have our a, a recording studio, Tune Drive Sound, and that's uh, tunedrivesound.com here in Taos. It's a full-service recording studio, uh, and we've got some wonderful clients coming in to record some albums, and that's really fun. Um, David's website's up. Mine is currently going to be put up, my my songwriting website, which will be cheatingputnam.com. Uh, but that's not quite up yet, but um, so that's, and then we perform every Sunday live at the Sagebrush Inn, and that's really fun, so. That's what we've got going, now. But I've been working, yeah, working on that album, and I'm always writing new stuff. So,
0: well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the uh, podcast, Jeannie.
1: Thanks for having me, Sean. It's great to see
0: you. Great to see you too. You've been listening to the Chord Strike podcast. This is Sean Courtright. Stay tuned for next month's episode.